Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. For those that are curious, the first Sunday of every month, we actually uh, do receive an offering corporately uh, called our First Fruits, but we really feel like the Lord said every week uh, to... um, lift up the declarations of what God's doing and let you know you can give. There's three ways to do it. We have offering baskets and boxes on the way out, and so we encourage you to continue to participate in that. The one thing about expansion is this is always above and beyond the local tithe, right? And so ask the Lord. And, I, and, and there's something I, the Lord said, challenge me to, to challenge me with your faith by what you ask me for. He says, if you ask for anything in my name, I'll do it. And And so where the prosperity gospel got out, well, Lord, I just want to, I want to have a lot of wealth just because I want to have a lot of wealth, not because I care about my nation or the people around me. I just want to have a lot of wealth. And so in Jesus' name, give it to me. And we're like, well, where is it, right? Instead of like, no, Lord, I want to have a lot of wealth and influence because I want to bring your kingdom come into the earth as it is in heaven. It's for the purpose of others, right? This, this is why in that last song of worship, it was a declaration of hope over our city. And, and, and I understand that in worship, it's important for us. We, we need worship for ourselves sometimes. That's not selfish. It's okay. I come into this place. I need to be reset. I need to have an encounter with God face to face. That's a completely valid expression. In fact, if you don't start there, you, you won't actually be able to get to the point where you can go and bring something to the nations, right? We need to do this. But at the same time, worship is not just about what we gain out of it. It's about repositioning our hearts so that we can become bringers of the glory of God. And so when at the end of worship, we're in that last song. Um, what I felt was the rise of the Lord saying, it, 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 this, the declaration that my church is going to make is actually going to have a tangible impact on your city. That, there, that, like, that right now in the city, there, there was this, I saw it, there was this spirit began to move in of hopelessness that was trying to overwhelm and through the news and some of the stuff that's going on. And the Lord says, but if my people just arise and shine and begin to worship from the temple, begin to worship, and, and how many people know, this ain't the temple. If you're born again, say, I am. Point to yourself. Say, this is the temple. Right? So as worship arises from the temple, it has the capacity to transform the atmosphere and the environment. And what I saw was, the reason I went over and grabbed this, the Lord just told me to tell you guys this, is I saw an angel walk onto the battlefield over where Fisher Park is at. Fisher Park is a, is a city park. It oversees a city. And there's been a lot of intercessors that have prayed and worshiped from that place that have, have just made declarations. And I literally saw an angel walk into it. And it was one of those angels that if you've ever seen old movies, when, uh, when uh, armies would move onto the battlefield, right? And they've got banners and they have flagmen and they have horn, hornsmen and whatnot and say, okay, the commander would come out and say, okay, blow the horn for this. Oh, hey, signal the troops for this, that, you know, the arrows are coming or the cavalry's coming. And I literally saw the, the, the angel step on the field and go like this. And the Lord says, he's waiting to hear if my people really believe that I've placed authority of the kingdom in their hands for their city. He said, who will stand up for my city? You need to see the passion that was in me was not to get you to do something. That's not about religious action. But what it is, is I've, if you've been transformed by Jesus, we have a responsibility for our city. And as you guys begin to sing, let hope arise, let hope arise. Then I saw that angel go, okay, coo, 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 over the city. And it was just this. I mean, he was going like this. And I saw blessings begin to be released from heaven. 
I saw arrows being released where there's been a demonic assignments. And I look, this might be too brutal for you, but let's just be honest. The Bible is not rated PG. I, I literally saw harpoons of, the, of an arrow shooting through the heart of the enemy. Demons going pinned to the ground. We're in a war that we've won. I'm going to say it again. We're in a war that we've won. We're just extending the victory of Jesus that he's already won. So let hope arise. Have a confident expectation that God is who he says he is. He will do what he says he's going to do. But the Lord's going this. Now, do you believe that about yourselves? Do you believe that about yourselves? Do you believe that you've been fully transformed in him? That you've been made completely clean and whole? It's an important piece for us to rise and shine above our circumstances. I know that's kind of the air there. I might make it better. It's time for us to really arise to the point where we can stand at peace. We're coming from victory. We're not going towards it. We're operating from peace, not for peace. I'll say it again. We're not, we're not operating. We're not living for. We're not fighting for a peace. We've already got it because in Christ, all enemies have been defeated, even death. Otherwise, he couldn't say, oh, death, where's your sting? He's defeated the last enemy, which is death. What's death? Separation between us and God. So we operate from wholeness, shalom, wholeness, cleanness, purity. You're already whole, and we operate from this place so that we can extend and give away. Freely you receive, freely you give away. This is why it's important for us as believers to come into alignment with what Jesus has accomplished so we can receive from Jesus what he's already paid for, hear me on this, so that we have something to give away. If you don't receive what Jesus has, you'll give away what you do have and chaos will ensue. Amen? Right? You, can, you give away what you have. And so I'm just telling you right now, this is the moment. This is the line in the sand. Um, we, we've got several brothers. And in fact, Michael, who's with us last week at the, uh, uh, with the uh, Voice of Freedom conference, he lives in Jerusalem. And uh, we, we've been messaging back and forth a group of the brothers, praying for him. He's been giving us, you know, updates on what's happening, boots on the ground. Um, and, and something just arose inside of me as, this, as he was kind of giving us a running tally. This is what's happening right now. And the Lord says, will you declare over Jerusalem my peace? Will, will you actually apply the blood to Jerusalem? And not just over the Jews, but over the Palestinians, over Hamas, over Hezbollah, over Iran, over the political people you don't like, will you just go ahead and begin to declare my blood because I'm here, the King of Kings is here to bring radical transformation. My brother Charlie Coker, wasn't that an amazing message last week? How many people heard that message last week? If you, if you didn't, go back and listen to it. It was it's the best message I've ever heard him preach. But I'm telling you right now, there was something in it. But he made that statement just talking about how do we actually come into the place of applying the blood and how powerful that is. We have to get bloody. Right? We have to get in this place and say the blood is enough, the blood is enough, the blood is enough. Right? And we're bringing wholeness. And so I just really believe that we're going to bring a walk to our city that's actually going to transform the way the city walks. God is doing things right now that will blow the minds of politicians, that will blow the minds of theologians, that will blow the minds of the religious people. Why? 
This is what I was going to do with Charlie said. Charlie said this. He says, if you've been praying for a loved one to come back to the Lord, he says, maybe it's time to stop praying for that they would just come to the Lord and start praying that they would have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Because a face-to-face encounter with Jesus changes everything. That will lead to salvation, right? But a face-to-face encounter. I, I, think, I think we need to come to this place where we realize, I have seen the face of my God, and it's a good face. It is. If you're born again, you actually get to see God face to face. Now, I'm not saying there's not parts of his holiness that we have a hard time looking at. Right? He's so more holy than we can comprehend, especially in this, where we're at in the world and what we live in. I would never be so arrogant to say, I can handle the glory of God on my own. That's stupid. It can't kill you. But I think what Charlie said, and this is what I want to lead into for this morning's message, is this. Maybe there's parts of you that need to die. Maybe dying is not such a bad thing after all. When you learn to die to things that were never meant to be in him, it allows you to be resurrected into all the things that are him. What parts of your life, what parts of your belief system have you been holding on to that are not captured by the blood of Jesus? It's time to look God face to face and let that thing die. So when he looks at you and he says, now arise, my son or my daughter, you're made whole, you're made complete. You can arise into a place of purity that allows you to bring that out there. Because remember what he told, he says, let us, talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in what image? Say it again. Our world's big on pronouns, and I'm just going to be really careful on this thing, but let me tell you, one of God's pronouns is our. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me make them in our image, and take that image bearer, and take it into all the earth. You want to know why the world looks like it is? It's because there's not enough of the image of God being shown to the world. What we've shown is the image of religion, the image of church, the image of uh, judgment, the image of whatever you want to put onto it. Instead of, let me show you the image of Jesus. And if you have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, it changes everything. We've got so many stories and testimonies in the Middle East of the man in white appearing to the Muslims. The man in white obviously being Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what, when the man in white shows up face-to-face with a Muslim, In that moment, they got a choice to make. It ain't Muhammad showing up, it's Jesus. It sets and transforms things. Immediacy. I'm just telling you right now, I I just this morning I began to intercede for Hamas, for Hezbollah, for the Palestinians. For Israelis, the government, and the things, and there's a lot of fighting even going in that group. I've been praying for the political parties, I've been all those, and I and I began to intercede for Putin. And I just like, Lord, show them your face. Show them your face. Have mercy on them. Show them your face. You know what he told me? He goes, are you willing to show them your face? It's one thing to walk outside these walls and pray for people that you see. It's another thing to walk up to them and say, hey, let me show you the face of God. Let me become the hands. Let me become the feet. Let me give you a hug. Let me, let me speak blessings over you. It, it changes everything. We want supernatural breakthrough, and we think it's only going to come with God showing up as the man in white supernaturally to somebody. And how many people realize that you just might be the man or woman in white 
that's being made manifest to somebody face to face and you got flesh and you can say, come here, I've touched his hands. I felt the wound in his side and he's radically transformed me. It changes things in a moment. That's what our city's looking for. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. I got to change my mindset on our services here, my, my time frame. We've been in a series called Prosper Like Jesus in All Things. So the title of today's message is Wash Your Walk. Let me hear you say, Wash My Walk. A lot of times the church is good at talking the talk, but we're not good at walking the walk. The only way you will ever walk the walk is if you wash it. If you allow the Lord to wash the way that you walk. So I'm just going to read in John uh, 13. I'm going to read through one through, probably go through 18, and then um, I'll kind of unpack it here. I'm going to read out of the, New, the uh, New American Standard Version. It says this. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had handed all things over to him and that he had come forth from God, was going back to God. Because of that, he got up from supper and laid his outer garments aside and took a towel and tied it around himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiping them with the towel which he had tied around himself. So he came to Simon Peter who said this, Lord, you're washing my feet? And we have to be careful to say that's not an arrogant statement. That's actually Peter from a part of humility, not understanding what's taking place. But he's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing here? Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing, you do not realize right now, but you will understand later. How many people have had that experience with God, right? Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet. Otherwise, he's completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. I just want to say real quick before, we'll unpack this a little bit more. But he is really talking about a born-again experience when he's talking about this. When you're washed, when you're actually washed by the blood of Jesus, you're completely made clean immediately. Okay? And, but there's going to be some things he's doing that actually allows us to continue to walk in that and apply that. He says, you're clean, but not all of you. Verse 11, for he knew the one who was betraying him. It was for this reason that he said, not all of you are clean. Then when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are correct, for so am I. So if I, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example so that you would do just as I did for you. For truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than one who sent him. I just want to stop here real quick. This is in my notes, and if I don't get to it now, I'll forget. 
when you walk with the Lord and you come into a born-again experience, it's, there's a tendency for us to come on and take the identity of a slave or a servant as part of our identity rather than part of our assignment. There's a difference between your assignment and your identity. And listen to what he says here. Again, I just want to read this so you don't miss it. I say to you, a slave's not greater than his master, nor, let me hear you say nor. So this is basically like and. Like um, here's one comparison, a slave and, look what he says here. One who is sent is not greater than one who sent him. This is talking about if you're a son or a daughter, you've actually been sent by the Lord, not as a slave, but as a son or a friend of God who's called to serve others, but not because you're a servant. Because servants will get their identity from what they do rather than the one that sent them. But when you settle that part of your identity, I'm a beloved one. I don't have to do anything for God to love me and accept me because his blood was enough. Then, therefore, in that place, he can then send me as his ambassador. He can send me as his friend, and I will serve him in his purpose and cause to the people he's sending me to serve. Does that make sense? It's a really important distinction to make because if you see yourself only as a slave, you'll, you'll have an orphan mindset. And you'll never get the fullness of what God has for you. But you're not orphans. You're sons and daughters. Okay? You're not slaves. In fact, he says, I no longer, later on in this same setting, I no longer call you servants. Now I now call you friends because a servant or a slave doesn't know what his master's doing. But a son does. A friend does. A friend knows what his friend is wanting to done and will actually stand out and carry out as if his friend was the one doing it. Important distinction here. Okay? So let's continue on. You call me teacher, verse, let's start at 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are correct, for so am I. So if I, the Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example so that you would also do just as I've done for you. And truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know the ones whom I've chosen, but this is happening so that scriptures may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted his heel against me. And I don't want to focus on that. Obviously, he's talking about Judas in that moment. And something about a heel, when you're talking about this, would be in a race. And you, you might have seen that in, in sometimes track and field and stuff. They, they, they actually get disqualified. But there's been moments in races where somebody's sprinting. They're going ahead of somebody. And, the, and then the other competitor just can't help but losing and sticks out their heel and trips the person. Right? This is literally what it's referencing in this point. There's a striking of the heel. Remember when Adam and Eve fell, and what did the Satan do? He's going to, as a snake, strike at the heel. Right? Underneath the foot is where enemy is supposed to be. But the heel is a totally different thing. And, and, you know, if you ever watch professional wrestling, whether you think it's real or not, it doesn't really matter. They've got characters that are called heels. Right? They're the ones that are supposed to come in, be the bad guy, make things stumble. Right? And so he's talking about this. You can still recline at the table with the Lord, but if you haven't actually known me, you're only going to be a heel. We have to come into alignment with, I'm truly with the Lord. I'm, I'm settling the Lordship of Jesus. He is God, and there's nobody else. He is my Lord, and I'm fully loved. I'm not a heel. And I just heard the Lord say this morning as I was praying, is there some people... Um, in our city, in our churches that believe that they're actually the heel or the villain and, and they're born again 
but they're taking on the false identity of a heel. And so therefore, they think God can't bless them, and they're having a trouble in their walk actually becoming free because they're being tripped up by old things like that that were spoken over them. saying, oh, you're never going to amount to anything. You're a loser. And they took on that false identity and then became a heel rather than being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I just want to tell you right now, I break that heel curse off you now in Jesus' name. If you're born again, you're actually a blessing. You're not the heel. So let's take a look at this. Let's go back to verse 3. Wash your walk. Let me hear you say, wash your walk. Look what it says in verse 3. How do we prosper in all things? What does that look like? Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hand, that he had come from God and was going back to God. This word knowing is the Greek word edu. And what it means is this, a gateway to grasp spiritual truth and reality from a physical plane. A physical scene which should be the constant bridge to the mental and spiritual comprehension or scene. So what Jesus is saying this, in the physical realm, he'd come to a level of understanding whose he was, who he belonged to, where he came from, and where he was going back to. And if you understand that Jesus is the perfect model for us, as he is, so are we be in this world, then we need to come to this comprehension of saying, have I been sent by the Father? What does the Father actually put into my hands? Because this says, Jesus said, the Father given all things into his hands. Well, who's the body of Christ in here? So you carry what the Father gave Jesus. Responsibility, but it shouldn't be heavy. We just have to come into a knowing. Why? Because he's seated with Jesus, the Father in heavenly places. In the spiritual third plane. He's seating there physically, but he's in the spiritual realm right now. We're standing right now in a physical realm where we're supposed to bring as it is in that spiritual realm here onto the earth. And you need to have a scene, a knowing right now. God has placed things inside of my hands because he trusts me. He trusts me. Why? Because I've come from Jesus. Last week, Brother Charlie dealt with the bastard curse. Bastard being somebody that was born out of covenantal wedlock and really just dealt with this stuff. And if that kind of shocks you, I want you to go back and understand that there was actually a word curse that can come on people they think they're illegitimate. But if you're born again in Jesus, you are totally legitimate in him. You came from Jesus, and you're going back to him. He says, hey, I'm leaving here so I can go prepare a place for you. Where I'm at, you're going to be with me. But as I am here in the, in the spirit supernatural, so are you down there. So what is it? I've come. I've been born again in Jesus. Nobody else. I only have one daddy, and he's a really good daddy. I have an older brother named Jesus who made it possible for me to be born again. I know I've come from him. I know he's placed things inside of my hands. He's given me people to steward, people to love, people to take care of. He's given me supernatural gifts and responsibilities. He's given me callings. He's given me his word. He's given me his spirit. He's given me a lot. He's given you a lot. And I know this, so now I'm going, he gave it to me, and because I'm a friend of God, I can actually take what he has given me and employ it as if he would be the one doing it. And ultimately, you know why I'm not worried about the end times? I know where I'm going back to. My God told me to occupy until he comes back. Is it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, rapture? Who really gives a rip? I'm raptured every time in worship. 
if you're not experiencing already that place, when you get in the place of intimacy where you and he are one, you're, you're looking for the wrong rapture. All, all I'm saying is, in, oh, is the Antichrist in the world? There's been a spirit that's been out there for a long time. It was the devil that got kicked out of heaven because he tried to usurp the, the, the throne of God. God goes, popped him out. And there's been an Antichrist spirit ever since then. Why are we looking for the manifestation of a person or a system that's the wrong focus? My focus is on the one I've already received from, the one I've been born again from, and the one I'm going back to. So therefore, this world has nothing on me. There's no legal paperwork the devil can pull out and say, oh, I got you on this one. No, 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 you don't. I'm actually in God. I'm in God. However, the way we walk can change my perception of what God's made available. This is why we have to wash our walk. Okay? So let's just continue into this place. By the way, verse 4 says this, Jesus pulls off his outer garments. That outer garment is the Jews would pull it off uh, when they were going to run, they were going to work, or if it was a hot summer day, which would be every day in Texas. You probably wouldn't have that outer garment on. But he was, let's just say this, he wasn't down to his underwear. There's, there's bad teaching that says he was down to that. No, he wasn't. They, they carried an outer garment, but then he also had inner garments. Here's the spiritual point that you need to know in this. The Lord is not just wanting to deal with your surface. He wants to start from the inside and work his way out to you. If all you get washed is the exterior, you never have your interior actually washed and clean, you're only going to have to go back and continue to over and over again to do religious acts in order to be made right. Which means you actually can never do that. But once you strip away the surface and you say, God, internally you can have me from the inside out, then he can work with something. Look what it says in verse 8. Peter said to Jesus, never shall you wash my feet. Let me say feet. There's something important about the feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no place with me. Again, the key on this is this. Only Jesus can cleanse you. Only Jesus can cleanse you. And when he does, it comes with an inheritance and a portion or a place within Jesus. So Jesus doesn't just do things for you to have an experience. I'm going to throw it out there because we're a very experiential people. It's not about us just having an experience with God. There's always a divine purpose that he wants us to carry forward on it. The first purpose in this is only Jesus can cleanse me. And here's the reality, only Jesus can cleanse the world. Right? Which is going to lead to as he begins to wash their feet and gives them instruction, it gives us instruction on what we're supposed to do. But if you don't understand that when he washes me, it comes with an inheritance and it comes with an apport- a portion that belongs specifically to Jesus. Look what it continues in verse 9. So Simon Peter said to him, Well, Lord, then, wash not only my feet, also my hands and my head. How many people realize hands has to do with your actions? Head has to do with the way that you think, the way that you process, right? And we could all probably agree, it's really good for Jesus to cleanse our thought processes so we can, we can think like him. It'd be really good for Jesus to wash our hands so that when we go and we touch people, we're bringing cleansing. But look what Jesus responds. No, 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 I don't have to cleanse your hands now. Look what he says. Why is that? It's very important. He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet. Otherwise, he is already completely 
clean. Let me hear you say completely clean. And then he makes a declaration over Peter, and you are clean. what's, What's Jesus saying? Because you've been with me, the work I'm about to do on the cross has already cleansed you. You don't need to wash your mind. You've already been cleansed by me. You have access to the mind of Christ now. You've already been using my hands. You've already been putting out there. You've already been blessing. I don't need to wash your ways. You've already been cleansed now. Now, what you do with it from this point on, that determines whether you need to have your feet washed. Because what does feet have to do? The way you walk. Where I go, what I do with what God has given me. Where do I carry what God's given me? Your, hand and your, your hands and your head can't go where your feet don't take you. Your hands and your head can't go where your feet don't take you. This is why intellectualism doesn't work. You have to be transformed first by him in the way you think so that you can carry the way he thinks with you everywhere you go. What do you tell Joshua? Everywhere you step foot is the what? The territory I'm giving you. The way you're walking. He didn't say, okay, Israel, get to the Jordan River, and I'm going to pick you up and carry you over. Then I'm going to set you down. You're going to rejoice. And then when I'm going to send you to battle to Jericho, I'm going to pick you up and carry you over and set you down. Okay, now just sit outside the walls of Jericho and sing. And and now it's time to march around. Okay, i got to carry you around the, the cities. That's not what happened, was it? They had to walk. They had to cross. They had to take the promises of God. They had to take their encounters with God and actually walk with it to be able to possess the promised land. And so what Jesus is saying this is, let me cleanse you. When you're born again, you're completely... Katharos. It, it means word means. The completely clean is katharos. Katharos. It, it means this. Properly without mixture... What is separated, it's purged. Hence, it means it's clean, it's pure, it's unmixed. All the undesirable elements have been thrown out. Spiritually clean because it's been purged or purified by God. It's free from the contaminating influences of sin. And he hadn't gone to the cross yet. Does that mess with anybody? This is before he goes to the cross. What he was saying is this. What I'm going to do, I was already crucified before the foundations of the world. If you walked with me, you're actually walking in what I've already accomplished before the foundation of the earth. Now, in a natural human time frame, I have to accomplish it in the natural time frame of humanity so that it can actually be applied into the eternal throne room of God on the mercy seat. But in this place, you're completely, this is salvation. This is sozo. Saved, healed, set free. Why do you need to come to baseline? Because you need to understand the fullness of saved, healed, and set free. Completely untainted from sin itself. That's what salvation is. And notice he hasn't resurrected yet. Notice there's not a rapture yet. Notice there's not anything else going on. This is before the cross. So if it was true then... How much more true is it now that he has been crucified, that he has been resurrected, that he has gone to the mercy seat in heaven and applied the blood? How much more is it actually true and real for us now? Peter didn't even know what he was talking about, but we do because we have the benefit of hindsight of looking in Scripture of what already has happened. See, if you don't come into an experience 
believing that he's already washed your mind, he's already washed your hands, you're never going to walk in it. And you're gonna, the, your daily walk is going to be this. I'm perpetually unclean. I'm perpetually unclean. Everywhere I go, I'm just a sin. I actually accomplish anything. Oh, Jesus. How, but down here, I'm just a schmuck, and I'm just a loser, and I'm just this, and I can't actually accomplish anything. Oh, Jesus. How could you deal with me? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Does anybody get anxiety when you hear that? You probably should, because that that's an anxious way of living. And what I'm saying is, he's already made peace for you. He's already made peace for you to walk in this thing. In fact, uh, John chapter 15, verse 3, it says this, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. It's the same Greek word. You're already clean because I spoke my words to you. His word's powerful. It's salvation. So what do we need to know about this? Once Jesus cleanses you, you're pure. Repeat after me. Once Jesus cleansed me, I'm completely pure. Okay. And there's an and statement that's about to come. And I need to walk in it. Right? So let's take the next verse right here. Why the feet? Why the feet? The way we walk, the way we think, the way we believe, the perception of our connection to God can be impacted by the things we walk through and the people we walk with. I'm going to read that again. The way we walk... The way we think, the way we believe, even the perception of our connection to God can be impacted by the things we walk through and the people we walk with. So it means this. There's going to be some things that you were born again out of that the circumstances haven't changed, and you're going to be still walking in, in the crud of life because your circumstances haven't changed yet, but your heart and your identity and your nature has and so you're going to need to, I need Jesus to wash my feet, because why? I just walked through a bunch of horse crud. <laughs> Let's be real, right? Sometimes you get it in between your toes, and you're like, this stinks, and I need to wash my feet. I'm not trying to be funny, but this is real. Like, if we, if we just pretend that we don't have to deal with the crap of life, we're only putting on this religious mask, saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And we keep that outer garment on, Rather than throwing off the outer garment and say, Jesus, cleanse me. The way that stuff is impacting my mind, the way that stuff is impacting my heart, I know I've been made completely clean with you. And according to how I've already been made completely clean, cleanse me again. Cleanse the way I'm walking right now according to what you've already done. It's the completed work of Christ that we continue to walk in the completed work of Christ. Also, here's an interesting thing about feet. Uh, if you've ever gone to, I, I haven't done it, but, but my wife tells me about it, is if you've ever gone to get a pedicure, right? And they put your feet in there and they start scrubbing and they're exfoliating, what? Dead skin. Here's the thing we were talking about last night with a with good family. And in this idea of like if you continue to put on moisture onto your skin, all you're doing is building up a layer on top of layer on top of layer of what? Dead skin. And all of a sudden, you're like, why does my complexion look so goofy? I've been using my, my, I've been using my moisturizer. Well, it's because you never exfoliated and got rid of the old. It's time to be cleansed. It's time to get rid of that old skin. What was once life has died. And it's time to get into the next stage of life. 
So this could be this. This could be the old ways I walked in has died in Christ, but I haven't exfoliated it yet. I'm still thinking in an old way. I need to exfoliate it off, right? I need to go to baseline. It's going to help me exfoliate off that old way of thinking. The way that old event impacted my heart, the way that person said something or did something to me, man, I'm realizing right now I just need to exfoliate that off my heart right? I keep applying the word. I keep applying prayer. I keep getting the worship. And all I'm doing is putting moisturizer, which is actually good. But until you get off the old, the new life can actually penetrate to the whole life. That's a good word right there. Until you can exfoliate off the old, the new life can't get to the whole life that you're called to walk into. So it's time to risk exfoliate. Sometimes it's going to be this. I'm in ministry, and let me say this, if you're born again, say I am. You're in ministry. I, I might have a vocational call to an office in the church, but we're all in ministry. That's why Ephesians 4 talks about train the saints and equip the saints for the work of ministry. If you're a saint, you're born again, which means you're a friend of God. You're in the ministry. And sometimes what happens is this, I walk through the deadness of other people's stuff, and I just need to get it off of me their way of thinking, their way of being influenced. And I'm at work, and I, I know I, I used to play basketball uh, all the time. And I found myself, if I got around a certain crowd, the old tongue would come out talking trash and not using kind language. I could talk smack with the best of them. And I remember one time, we were, this is when we were on staff at Community Bible Church in San Antonio years ago before we got planted. And we were playing in a, in a, <laughs> we were playing in a church league. And Antonio Daniels, who used to play for the Spurs, came in and, Dude could talk smack, and he could back it up, by the way, too. Uh, I watched him dunk it right over me. I'm like, yep, you, 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 do, you do you, boo. Uh, but, I, but I remember coming down, and he was just talking so much smack. I'm like, I'm like F this. I did. I said, F this. And I went up and I about right behind the NBA line, and, went, and I drained it, and I go, yeah. And the Lord goes, hmm. That's what I heard. I heard, hmm. You ever had your father go, hmm? It's usually not followed by, oh, that was a great idea. I'm going, oh, I, I allowed the deaths of the world to impact my heart, and all of a sudden, I went back to the old me and resurrected the old me instead of living in the whole me, and I had to repent. I actually went up to Antonio afterwards and said, dude, I just need to apologize. That wasn't me, and he's a believer, too, and I uh, said, man, that was, not, that was not kosher, and he goes, no, nah, bro, I understand it. I said, no, no, you don't understand. It's not okay. We, we're in a church league, bro. Like, we, we need to... It, there's unsaved people coming in here. We can't act like the lost world in order to be able to redeem them. And it's an important thing. So sometimes you need to check yourself. You need to, here's, here's the way you check your walk. You have companions that will tell you that your walk stinks. Ask them this week, hey, is there any way that I've been walking that's not been characteristic of Jesus? And don't be offended. You're invited to tell you, yeah, you need to exfoliate. I'm just telling you, that's not you. Let me tell you who you are, right? That type of correction is never to say, you're an evil sinner. No, it's going, what does the Holy Spirit do? He comes to convict the world that's lost of its need for a Savior, and it convicts us of righteousness. Holy Spirit convicts, that, that's not the way you walk, dude. That's not who you are. Let me show you. Let me cleanse the way that you walk. Let Jesus wash your feet today. Let's finish this up. Verse 14 and 15. 
So if I, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For if I gave you an example so that you would do just as I've done for you. I just want to say this. There's no example in Scripture or evidence that Jesus was giving them a new commandment. to. You need to literally redo this for everyone. And I understand that there's moments in ministry moments where we have washed. We've done it as a, as a community thing. And having to wash your feet is very much of a prophetic act. But it's not the same thing as communion. It's not a sacrament. What was Jesus saying? Hey, once you get alongside some people and wash their walk, once you walk alongside and say, hey, Jesus washed my feet. He's washed my walk. I just want to come alongside you. No judgment, no condemnation. I want to show you the way that you can walk. Discipleship, fathering, mothering. This is what Jesus is saying. Just as I fathered you, father others. If you're not willing to get your hands dirty, because just realize the first century, they wore sandals, and everywhere they went, donkeys, horses, cattle, sheep, what is all produced by those things? That's it. Thankfully, it didn't get on the mic, but that's true. No, I'm just asking. But what were they walking in? Could you imagine getting your... God bless you, son. Uh, who, want, who wants to be the, uh, give a pedicure to a first century... And Jesus is going, are you willing to get your hands dirty? Serve. As I've served you, as I've loved you, as I've cleansed you, don't be afraid of the crap of people. Don't be offended by their walk. Show them his walk so that they know a pathway to walk in. And here's one more thing. I'll go back to the Joshua. Everywhere you step is the territory I've given you to walk in. There's something about when we've had our walk clean. Now, everywhere I step, I'm literally cleansing the land. I'm cleansing the land. When I walk into my city, what happens? Where once sin ruled in the walk of the world with sin, and, and people will walk into the environment, and all of a sudden they just kind of, like if you've ever been to a place where they hadn't been cleansed, and there was pornography, or there was sexual sin, or something like that, and you can probably the, ugh, when you walk into it, because it's like literally tainted the land. And you kind of come underneath that walk, right? And you have to get it off of me. We need to change ourselves and think, go, wait a minute. No, I've already been cleansed, and that's my assignment. I walk into that dirty place, and because I've stood on this place, it's now been cleansed so that others that walk onto this property, now they have an opportunity to be cleansed. We have more faith sometimes in the negative influence of the demonic than we do in the power of the Holy Spirit to actually transform the atmosphere of a place. We'll say it again. We have more faith sometimes in the demonic influence than we do the power of the Holy Spirit to literally transform the atmosphere of Washington, D.C. You want to drain the swamp? Walk in there and pray. And yeah, we got to send sent ones to get into that place. But I'm saying, we got to do warfare from the third heaven, not just from a place of the second heaven. We literally could set a new way of walking. We can create pathways where people can walk on. It's kind of this Matthew chapter 7 verse that says this, if you have a plank in your own eye, remove the plank so that you can actually see the speck in your brother's eye. Cleanse my walk. So now, 
with eyes of love, I can actually see what's hindering somebody else from seeing the face of God. And I'm willing with clean hands, a clean mind, clean motivations to actually walk alongside them and redeem and restore them into the place of beloved identity, which is exactly what you, were, you got. Why don't you stand up with me? Go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. Position yourself with the Holy Spirit right now. And I want you to ask this question. Holy Spirit, come on, everybody together. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Go ahead and take a moment and listen. Holy Spirit, right now, we just trust you, that you convince us, you convict us of righteousness. We thank you that because we've been born again, we've already been made whole and clean, unstained from sin. That's our nature. But Lord, we recognize there's moments that we walk through life, maybe it's the life of others or the things we've come out of, and we need you to wash our feet once again. Would you just come it's right where you're at. I want you to picture in your mind's eye, if he showed you something, I don't want to be presumptive. Maybe he said, hey, your walk is doing well, and that can be an absolute truism. That should be more the reality. But if he showed you something, I want you to picture yourself like Peter, and Jesus has walked up in front of you, and he's taken his outer garment off. He has a towel around his waist, and he has a water basin. And He says, my son, my daughter, I've already cleansed you, but let me wash your feet. I just want you to walk, put your feet into the basin and let Jesus wash you. And I want you to watch as he takes your feet out of the water and he grabs the towel and he dries your feet. He says, I cleansed you. What I've done for you, I want you to do for others. I want you to create new pathways of holiness. I want you to find those who have been walking through the crud of life and who don't think they have a way out. And I want you to walk alongside them and cleanse them, wash them, bring them to me. Jesus, we just make that declaration right now. By your blood, we've been cleansed completely and fully. And it's the washing of your word, says in Ephesians chapter 5, that you cleanse us by the washing of your word. And it heals us, it restores us, it cleanses us. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, would you come now and fill every single person with your peace, with your power, and with your confidence that what we're walking in now is your holiness. We get to carry that forth. We declare this in Jesus' most mighty name and all God's people said, amen. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Come on. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. 
If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.